Whether you like the result or not, it would be smart to take some time and consider what changes a Biden presidency could bring to your finances. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on the Financial Pathway Podcast with Nate Skelly, where we discuss important financial questions and give you practical advice to guide you on your financial journey. If you enjoy the podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us a review. You can also follow the Financial Pathway page on Facebook for more helpful financial tips and videos. Well, hello, everybody. It's Nate Skelly. Welcome to the Financial Pathway Podcast. A Merry Christmas to you. In fact, maybe you are traveling, you're on the road now or with family for Christmas. So I hope you're having safe travels and enjoy this Christmas season. We're coming up to the end of 2020. And if you're like me, I'm very thankful for that. Looking forward to a new year. And uh, since we're in this, this transition time in our country, I did want to spend some time in our episode today to talk about what a Biden presidency could mean for your finances. So I think it's very appropriate topic for this uh, this time that we're in. So first of all, let me say this. This is not a political episode. If your reaction to the title is, well, wait a second, Nate, I, I don't think that Biden won the election legitimately, and so it's not a given that he's going to be inaugurated in January. Well, that's not the point of this episode. This is, this is not to get into a political discussion on your thoughts about the election or the results. This episode would have been very appropriate before the election, and it's especially appropriate now. It would have been very appropriate back before we even knew what the results were going to be. And especially now, because all indications are that Joe Biden will be inaugurated in a little bit more than a month. So regardless of who you voted for or who you wanted to win or who you think won, the reality is that barring some very unexpected event, Joe Biden is going to be our next president. So whether you like the result or not, it would be smart to take some time and consider what changes a Biden presidency could bring to your finances. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through some of the major policy proposals that Joe Biden made during his campaign. And before I do that, I want to give you two very important qualifiers. First of all, the president does not pass new law. So a little bit of civics here. Congress is the one who passes laws. So a president certainly has a lot of influence and has the bully pulpit and, and, and a lot of times gets to set the agenda for Congress, but he doesn't pass the laws. Congress does, and then he can veto them. And then even if he vetoes them, Congress can override them. So just because a candidate makes something part of their platform on the campaign trail doesn't mean that that's exactly what's going to happen. And often we see that once a president is in power, even if it's his party that has the majority in both houses of Congress, there's a lot of times a difference between what was promised in the campaign and what actually get, gets passed through Congress. Because what happens is uh, Congress gets a hold of those uh, policy proposals. They want to make tweaks. They want to make compromises. And then the, the final version is a little bit different. So a good recent example is the Trump tax plan. So remember during the campaign, one of the things that uh, Trump had proposed is that we're going to cut taxes. And the actual final tax bill that was passed by Republican Congress differed slightly from some of the numbers that were thrown out during the campaign. For the most part, it was very similar, but it wasn't exactly what had been talked about. And so there's, there's certainly a chance that that could happen with a Biden presidency, that what was said on the campaign trail doesn't actually 
exactly match up with what gets passed through Congress. And then qualifier number two, it's not yet clear whether Democrats will even have a majority in the Senate. And if they don't get a majority in the Senate, then the Republicans would basically be able to, to stonewall any new laws that Biden and the Democrat Party would want to pass. And so very little, of, if any, of these proposals would be passed into law. And then the Democrats would need to wait until the 2022 elections to try again to win a majority in Congress. So just some important qualifiers before we get into the specifics of these proposals. Now, how can a president affect your finances? Well, the first and primary way is going to be through tax policies. The uh, tax cuts of 2017 certainly affected uh, essentially all Americans because of the changes in um, uh, ta income tax rates. So that's one way. That's the primary way. But other ways could be uh, indirectly affected by changes in the market. So the money that's in your IRA, your 401k, that could change. Um, and then other possible effects to your finances could come by way of, of policy changes regarding things like health care and student loans. And so I do want to mention that towards the end of our, our podcast, just briefly, that there are some policy proposals in those two areas that, uh, that, that were made during the Biden campaign. So let's start with the major one. Let's start with the tax policy proposals from the Biden-Harris campaign and outline what could be coming down the road if the Democrats are able to um, have a majority in Congress and, and pass their, their agenda. Well, the first one would be a new Social Security tax of 12.4%, and this would be split evenly, 50-50, between the employee and employer on income over $400,000. So the way it works currently is you pay uh, Social Security taxes out of your paycheck. You as an employee pay half of it. It's a, roughly 7.5%, slightly more. And then the employer matches that amount. Uh, again, just, just over 7.5% towards Social Security taxes. But that's only up to income of $137,700 a year. That's, that's the current limit. And then... After that, then the Social Security taxes phase out. So what this would do is it would reintroduce Social Security taxes once you get over $400,000 and there would be an additional Social Security taxes to pay. Um, so that would, be, that would be one change that's been proposed. Uh, a second one would, would be a change to the corporate tax rate. So it used to be that the corporate tax rate in America was 35%. With the tax cuts in 2017, it lowered that rate from 35 all the way down to 21. And the, the Biden campaign has proposed that we raise that back up to 28. So kind of splitting the difference between the old and the new rate. Also, the tax cuts from 2017, a lot of people are not aware that those are supposed to expire in 2025. So as part of the new legislation that the plan was, okay, we're going to introduce new tax brackets for the next eight years. And then in 2025, then we'll have to, to decide whether we're going to extend those, we're going to go back to the old rates, or we're, going to do, or we're going to do something different. So the Biden plan would basically keep those tax rates the same for people who are making less than $400,000 and then raise the highest tax bracket back up to the old level of 39.6%. So with the, the tax, cut, tax cuts in 2017, basically here's how the, the tax brackets got changed. 10% is the lowest tax bracket. That stayed the same. 
the 15% was dropped to 12, the 25% tax bracket was down to 22, 28 down to 24, and then the highest tax bracket used to be 39.6, and it dropped down to 37. So what Biden's saying is, we'll keep it all the same, but those who make more than 400,000, we're going to bump you up to the highest tax bracket, the old highest tax bracket of 39.6%. Another change would be uh, with long-term capital gains rates. So there's, there's a difference between your regular income tax rate and a long-term capital gain. So long-term capital gain is when you have an asset that you've held for more than a year, and then you sell it for more than you acquired it. And the difference in, in what you paid for it and what you sell it for is your capital gain. And the current long-term capital gain tax rate would be increased from 23.8% all the way up to 39.6%. So basically making it no difference, whether it's regular income or it's a long-term capital gains rate. But that would only be for people making over a million dollars a year. So if you're making over a million dollars a year and you have a long-term capital gain, then it would be taxed at the same rate as ordinary income. So, so far, these things that I've mentioned don't affect most people because most people aren't making more than $400,000 a year. Uh, but for those who are, these could be some major changes and, and could, could certainly make a, a big difference with their taxes. But one change that would affect a broad uh, range of people, not just high earners, would be the elimination of the step-up basis rule. So here's how this works. As it currently stands, when you inherit an asset, like a house, say, from your grandfather, your basis, your tax basis, is the value of that asset at the time of death. So let's say your grandpa bought a house for $250,000. And then when he passed away, the house was worth $500,000. So it had appreciated $250,000 in value. Well, as it is currently, you don't need to pay a long-term capital gains tax on the difference of what he paid for it and what it's worth now. Instead, whatever it was worth when he died, that's your basis. So if you sell it for $500,000, you, do, you would not owe any capital gains taxes on the sale of that house. But if we were to repeal that rule, and that is one of the things that has been proposed by the Biden campaign, then that means that could become a $250,000 capital gain, that the basis becomes what your grandpa paid for it, and therefore if you sell it for $500,000, you could owe capital gains taxes. So that would affect a much broader group of people, not just high earners, and um, I, I would think, of course, I don't know. I would think if, if that were to be eliminated, the step-up basis rule, there would probably be some kind of exception for inheriting real estate. But again, this could affect a lot more people if, if that rule were to be changed. So uh, again, most of these proposals affect people with high incomes. And so therefore, it doesn't apply to most people as far as these tax changes. Also, it, it should be said, uh, again, that it's unlikely that these measures will be passed in the next couple of years. If, if I would say it's, it's less than 50%. Hard to put a percentage on it, but um, the reason is the Senate. Because with the results of these, this year's election, the Republicans now have 50 seats in the Senate. The Democrats have 48 seats. The only two seats yet to be decided are the ones in Georgia. And by now, I'm sure you know, unless you've been living under a rock, 
uh, you know that there's these Senate races in Georgia, and, and they're very, very pivotal. The thing is, the special runoff election is not until January 5th, so we're not going to know until then how this is all going to shake out. The Democrats need to win both of those seats to get a 50-50 tie, and if they have a 50-50 tie, any tie in the Senate, the deciding vote is cast by the president of the Senate, and it's the vice president who serves as the president of the Senate. So that would be Kamala Harris, and that would essentially give the Democrats a majority, a razor-thin majority, but a majority nonetheless, and would allow them, because they have the majority in the House of Representatives, to then pass their, their legislation through. So uh, while it's likely that the Republicans would win these, these, these races and, and then they could block any major Democrat legislation until at least 2022, that's not for sure, and we'll have to see how it all shapes out. So a lot of these changes are really hinging on the results of those Georgia elections. So what should high earners do in anticipation of these changes? So, so if you do earn more than $400,000, is there anything you should do right now? Well, the short answer is, is really there's, there's not much to do right now until the outcome of these Senate races are complete because you wouldn't necessarily want to make major tax or income changes right now when it's not likely that uh, the Democrats will win these Senate seats. And the problem is we're not going to know until the beginning of 2021 what the results of these elections are and the changes that you would want to make anyway, you'd have to make them now in 2020. For the most part, you'd have to make them before or you have to make them by December 31st. So by the time you find out what the, the, the results are, it's going to be too late to make some of these changes, whether it's uh, selling assets to lock in a lower capital gains tax rate or to take certain deductions to stay below an income threshold for 2020. But, uh, but those are some tax policy proposals and some things that could change. Now, let's move on to the stock market quickly. One of the concerns that a lot of people on the Republican side of the aisle have uh, is that a Biden presidency is going to be bad for the stock market. It's going to cause it to crash or at least to be stagnant. So it's important to acknowledge the unpredictability of market movements. I mean, nobody knows what the next four years holds. Nobody knows. And, and if anybody's trying to tell you they know how it's all going to uh, shape out, they're, they're not telling you the truth. Either they have convinced themselves and they're just lying to themselves, or they don't know, but they're trying to still convince you that they know. Nobody knows what the next four years will hold. But what we do know is that trying to make market timing decisions based on your political leanings usually does not end well. That is not a formula for success. So consider the fact that the stock market has performed better under Democrat presidents over the last 100 years. And that may be surprising to you. But the, the fact is the market has actually continued to grow and to expand through all kinds of combinations of political power. It's really not so much about who's in the White House or who's in Congress. Whether it's a Democrat president with Republican Congress, Republican president with Democrat Congress, Republican majority throughout, Democrat majority throughout, all the combinations. In other words, good businesses, they continue to innovate, they continue to provide goods and services that people want, and they continue to make more money than they did last year, regardless of who is sitting in the White House. Good, smart, innovative companies continue to thrive and to grow through all different political climates. And so while a president's policies certainly can have an effect, I'm, I'm not trying to say that presidents don't affect the market and have no effect on, on things that are going on in the market. They, they certainly do, but it is only one of a myriad of factors. There's lots of things that influence 
what's happening in the market and where it's headed and why changes are, are being made. It could be interest rates, it could be tariffs, it could be technolo uh, technology and new innovations, it could be housing market, it could be international events, it could be a pandemic, it could be terrorism, it could be the price of oil, the price of gold, on and on the list goes. Who's sitting in the White House currently is just one of those many, many factors. And also remember that policies that were put in place years ago sometimes take a lot, a lot of time for their effects to be felt. So sometimes things that are happening in the market now are coming as a result of something that was passed 20 years ago or even 40 years ago. So there's, there's way more to the picture than just a, a, a oversimplified, oh, Democrat and pres Democrats president, that's good. Oh, Democrat president, that's bad. It's, it's way more than that. And remember this, that back in 2016, the last presidential election, both Democrats and Republicans made politically motivated decisions to sell out of the stock market because they were fearful about what their political opponent would do. Because when it looked like Hillary was going to win, a lot of Republicans were saying, I think I should sell stocks now because uh, if Hillary wins, it's going to be bad for the market and I'm going to lose money. And then when Trump won, a lot of Democrats thought, well, I need to sell stocks because Trump's going to be bad for our economy. And both sides were wrong. They were short-sighted. They made a politically motivated investment decision, and it did not work for them. And, and, and we just we, we had to learn this lesson again just this past month. November was one of the best months for the stock market. There was an increase of just over 11% in the market in one month. And all the people who before the election got fearful, got got wrapped up in, in their political, politically motivated market timing, it didn't work for them. And it just underscores once again why you don't try to time the market. You don't try to make short-term decisions because it usually does not work out well for you. Now, could further lockdowns? So could a Biden presidency mean further lockdowns and a stagnated economy because businesses are not able to operate at full capacity, some businesses close, the market drops? Could that happen? Sure, it's certainly possible. But is it also possible that with these new treatments and vaccines like the one that is being rolled out right now by Pfizer, could those prove effective at combating the coronavirus and we start to see cases drop and start to see deaths drop and then we start to see a lot of pent-up demand for travel and for entertainment and for restaurants and for all these that people have not been able to do for months and months now start to flood back over the coming months and the and the market just just soars with that uh increase in in economic activity that's certainly possible too we don't know what's going to happen so that's why successful investing has and will continue to be a long-term process now, briefly, I should mention there are a couple more possibilities that a Biden presidency could have uh, as, as it regards your finances in the way of student loans and health care. So let me just quickly touch on those. The Biden-Harris campaign has outlined plans to help provide more options for loan forgiveness for those who work in the public service arena, and then also reducing repayment amounts for those who opt for income-based loan repayment. So right now, there's about $1.6 trillion in outstanding student loan debt. It's a huge amount. So for those who, who have student loans, perhaps they would get some of that forgiven or at least reduced uh, potentially. And then for future college goers, there's also been some proposed plans about making the first two years of community college free. Uh, that would be for families making less than $125,000 a year. So that could certainly affect people's finances. And then also there's been um, 
some proposals about raising the amount of federal aid available through, uh, for example, Pell Grants for low- and middle-income families, so opening up more funding for, for college um, for those that are low- and middle-income. Now, on the healthcare front, very quickly, Biden has proposed introducing a public option for health insurance that would, in theory, compete with private insurance. There were several Democrat uh, candidates during the primaries who were, who were advocating for a universal health care system, a single-payer system. Uh, Biden was opposed to that. He said, no, we'll, we'll keep private insurance, whether it's through your, through your job or just you, you shopping insurance through, through private insurance carriers. But also we want to introduce this government option that people could have access to if they want to. And the idea is, uh, again, in theory, that that would provide more competition, lower health care, and more accessible health care for more people. So all of those things, we'll have to see if those come through or not, and if you know, even if they do, in what form. But here's the bottom line. Once again, uh, these policies are not likely to come about in the next couple of years if the Republicans win the Senate, because again, they'll have the majority in the Senate and then can block any Democrat legislation. So really here, patience is key. Don't overreact by radically changing your investment strategy. Now is not the time to make major changes to your investments. Now is time to, once again, revisit your long-term strategy and, and, and stick to that long-term strategy. And then there's also not at this point, I think, a need to make any major tax decisions, but rather to keep your eye on new developments, especially for those that are high earners, business owners. They're the ones that are going to want to keep a close eye on what's going to happen over these next couple months and possibly start to make some, some proactive decisions accordingly. And, and if these changes do come about, we'll try to keep you aware, maybe do another podcast episode outlining where the changes are and new legislation. But the key is just to be aware, to, to be smart, to be informed, and to make sure that you're paying attention to what's going on in our country. So I'm going to try to get in one more episode, uh, at least before the end of the year, and I'm going to tell you about just a few things that you can do last year, checklist items to help you either save a little bit of money, maybe some things for taxes, or to make a little bit of money uh, here before the year 2020 is over, so be on the lookout for that. Well, again, Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us on today's episode, and I will see you on the next one.